Hey guys, uh, this is Penn, Penn Gillette, Penn Sunday School, preaching love. Uh, it's been a weird time. There's been uh, a lot of stuff coming down that I'm going to talk about uh, next week. I'm going to talk about everything that's coming down. But right now, uh, things are too crazy for me to bang out a uh, live show. We can't get it all together. So uh, we're having uh, ready put together an old show. Now, I don't want you to think this is the way we're doing it, that it's all going to be bank shows and old shows from now on. Uh, we're going to be right back to doing fresh new stuff. Uh, we're going to be back to being in the same room, back to really talking to you, back to really digging in, getting into stuff. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. I got a lot of information coming in that I don't want to talk about right now. Uh, right now, I need a little bit of rest and so on. So I'm going to take that rest and uh, bear with us. Bear with us for another week. And we'll be back and let Reddy put something together for you. I don't even know what he's doing. It might be the first show. might be something else. But it'll be something fun so that you can listen to. And we will be back. And we will be bad. I am telling you right now. So remember, we love you. You become naked. Cha-cha-cha. Okay? Hang in there. This is Penn. Loving you so much. We're going to throw something in this week. Then we'll be back. We'll be back hard next week, okay? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Penn Sunday School. I'm your tech ready writ in for everybody here at Show Creator Studio South in Las Vegas, Nevada. As Pan already mentioned, we can't record live today and we're all out of bank. So I'm running a couple of our most requested episodes, including our first ever, The Amazing Randy and The Amazing Jonathan. And now here he is, preaching love, Mr. Pan Gillette. Hello, brothers and sisters. How are you? Um... That was the uh, No God Band playing the uh, theme song there, uh, Penn Sunday School. And, you know, I talked to uh, Mike Nesmith. You know, that's originally a monkey song written by, uh, it's a, we're doing a Carol par- King, right? parody. Carol King and Goffin, right? Goffin yep. and King. And um, I didn't like, you no know, Pleasant Valley Sunday has all this kind of half-ass commie hippie stuff under <laughs> it, you know? See, Mr. Gray, he's That's who the monkeys were. Well, what's, well, it's who Carol King and Goffin were. I mean, I guess the monkeys, too. Uh, but I, I think you wouldn't call they were hippies in terms of the shikis and stuff and hairdos. But I don't think they were hippies in terms of politics, really, were they? Well, certainly not Nesmith, but uh, <laughs> I, I think the others probably were. I don't know. But anyway... Uh, so I made this huge faux pas. I know, I know Mike Nesmith. He's, uh, he's become a friend of mine. And I went out to his, uh, his house in Monterey and he was shocked that I flew in commercial. Uh, <laughs> so Nesmith is no longer a hippie is what you're saying. Well, that, yeah, even maybe, if he were at that time, a <laughs> little less, little less of a hippie. But Nesmith is, it's funny that I've met a lot of my heroes throughout life. And it's funny that one of the earliest is the one that holds up the best. I mean, I guess my two earliest hip, uh, heroes were, uh, Tommy Smothers and Mike Nesmith, you know? Right. And, um, Tommy Smothers as, as big Tom, I, a friend is too strong a word, especially if you saw us on Provenza's green room <laughs> where, um, where, uh, where Tommy Smothers, uh, attacked me for going on Glenn Beck. And, uh, he's right. He's absolutely right. You know, um, well, it does seem like if you're going on Glenn Beck, you're supporting Glenn Beck. But you know, let's talk. You can be friends with someone without believing the same things they believe. Well, in our case, we believe the same things. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, but, yeah, I was thinking hypothetically. 
<laughs> I don't know anyone like that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, uh, I went on Glenn Beck a lot. I, I mean, a lot being probably what, six, seven times. Right. And, um, he was just, uh, you know, he was the whipping boy. He was the, you know, the George Orwell, you know, five minutes of hate or whatever it was, three minutes of hate. Um, you'd find bad stuff about him all the time. Yeah, sure. And, um, Tommy Smothers was completely right to attack me saying, um, if you go on this show, you're giving him your support, your name, so on. But the other side is also right. I mean, I believe I was the only person that went on Glenn Beck and said the sentence, there is no God. What? And when I asked Tommy Smothers back, you know, respectfully, because Tommy Smothers is a hero of Huge mine. Huge hero right of mine as well, yes. He's just, there's nothing, there's nothing you can know about comedy that, uh, that Tommy Smothers doesn't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Including that Dickie Smothers wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> when we worked with him, that was his big complaint. <laughs> you know, we were writing a bit for him. He said, well, you know, when you're working with Dickie, you got to do it this way, or he just he just can't get it. He doesn't understand it, well, which is should, great, because that's exactly what Dickie's mother said about Tommy. Well, we when should, you're working with Tommy, he just doesn't get it. We should explain that <laughs> yeah, we, we, should. Did, we, did a, we did a show called uh, Ben and Teller's Sin City Spectacular back in the 90s, which was a psychotic show, a completely <laughs> and utterly psychotic show. It was insane. It was the most work I've ever done. Yeah, and it was uh, it was the most work I've ever done. Which is saying That's more than the most That's work exactly. you've ever done. <laughs> I had to go an hour a day. It was the worst thing of my life. <laughs> you're kind of, you're, you know. You, I know. I know. If, if, if left on your own, you would not work. I would be sailing around the world. Yeah. Yes, on yeah. a tiny boat And somewhere. if left <laughs> on my own, you know, if you gave me enough money for the rest of my life, I wouldn't slow down one bit in terms of work. Right. Not even slightly. We've had this discussion. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's really the, the big difference between us. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, but Tommy Smothers, uh, and Dickie Smothers, the Smothers brothers, uh, came on since it is spectacular. We thought it'd be great because there's two teams working here. You know, the master team, the Smothers brothers. Yes, of course. And according, you know, uh, although we'd been together at that time, almost 30 years, <laughs> we were still the neophytes, yes. you know? And so I did a bit with, uh, with Tommy and, uh, Teller did a bit with Dickie. So, um, Teller played guitar and I played upright bass. It was the first time. I touched an upright bass, and I touched Dickie Smothers' upright bass, which would be a much better story if Dickie Smothers' bass hadn't been rented. It was just a <laughs> rental bass that, that meant nothing to him or anybody. But to me, I was touching Dickie Smothers' bass, and I was sure. standing next to Tommy Smothers, um, uh, and, and it, it was amazing. It, it was an amazing feeling to um, having watched since I was a child that iconic image of Tommy well, Smothers with the guitar yeah. on the right and Dickie Smothers, you know, I'm talking yeah, about yeah. stage. And we had, we had done our best to copy their set as well. So. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, was, it, was, it was an amazing feeling. And I was playing, you know, I was just playing, you know, C and G yeah. uh, and uh, uh, singing with Tommy. And Dickie had told me, taking me aside and said, um, you know, <laughs> Tommy's going to tell you exactly when to cut him off in his little rant. Make sure you go longer than that. <laughs> and then uh, Tommy took me aside and said, you know, Dickie always waits too long before cutting me off. Just cut me off right when I tell you to. So he had a signal on his guitar <laughs> when I should say, Tommy, 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 let's get back to the song. And Dickie said, don't do it then. Because he gets really funny when you really frustrate him and he really <laughs> feels you're screwing him. <laughs> and um I, I would say with, with, with a small amount of shame, not a lot of shame, but a small amount of shame that I was unable to, uh, follow 
Dickie's advice, and I went exactly. I cut Tommy off the exact moment his <laughs> finger hit the place on the keyboard. But I, my final analysis after, if you saw, you know, Paul Provenza, who was my partner, ah, partner is giving me too much credit on the aristocrats. Paul Provenza was really the, uh, he was the director and he was the, he was the brains behind that. I had a few ideas and I brought people in, but it's the final vision of the movie is, is more Provenza's than it is mine. And it's brilliant. But Provenza has the show Green Room and he put me on very kind of Provenza. He put me on with, uh, with the with big boys, Martin Mull. Yeah. Tommy Smothers, two of my biggest heroes. And also the all atheist show of, uh, of that one. And, uh, <laughs> I made, uh, the mistake. Eh, maybe I knew what I was doing, <laughs> but I compared, uh, Glenn Beck to the Smothers Brothers. In that, uh, and that's when Tommy hit you. <laughs> that's close to when Tommy hit me. My point was that, um, people who don't watch a show shouldn't have a vote over how that show goes. Uh, the Smothers Brothers show, when it was on, was pleasing a huge number of people. Right. There are a bunch of people who did not watch the show, and the people who didn't watch the show sent in complaints about a show they didn't watch. <laughs> now, it seems to me like your vote, if you don't like Penn Sunday School, then you don't listen to it, you don't watch it, and you've gotten a full vote. That will hurt us. That will hurt us more than anything. You know What we're trying to do is get people to pay attention to what we're saying, and the worst thing you can do to us is to not watch us, not listen to the show. But once you do that, you can't get more of a vote by then writing in and saying, I don't watch your show, but you suck. <laughs> and that's essentially what happened with the Smothers Brothers. Of course. People who didn't watch the show complained. And I was saying the same thing was happening to Glenn Beck. And the second I said Smothers Brothers and Glenn Beck within <laughs> eight seconds of each other, Tommy was, was ready to. So I, I can't really say that Tommy jumped out of me, jumped out at me. Uh, for no reason. <laughs> he jumped out at me because I provoked him. Right. Uh, and I wasn't really thinking about provoking him, but I did think it was interesting to make the point that people as different as Tommy Smothers and Glenn Beck could make the same intellectual right. point. Well, they can both have TV shows and, and uh, they sure. both have fans. And, and then Tommy Smothers said, you know, uh, uh, why did you go on that show? Why did you give him? He, he's, you know, and Tommy did the usual laundry list of things that were wrong with, um, with Glenn Beck. And, um, I said to Tommy, is there anything I said on that show that you believe was not from my heart and was not honest? Is there any time I backed down in order to be on that show? And he said, no, that's not the point. And I have come over the year. And of course, I, I, I gotta say, I don't want to be flippant about this because the, um, His Tommy heart. Smothers attacking me hurt me tremendously and, I mean, and in some views his argument does make sense it's I mean, perfect it's, his argument's perfect it is fine. and i agree with it i agree with it very much i mean if you have a a hero uh if you have someone that, that has people who pay attention to him or her and they go on a show that is tommy's mother's mind evil they have given that some um uh, there's, there's some power currency to that. sure there's some currency that's the word i wanted exactly my job um so uh he's completely and utterly right and yet you don't only want to preach to the converted, which is what we're doing here on Penn Sunday School. <laughs> the whole idea here is to preach to the converted. That's the point of this show. But so he said to me after the show, he was very complimentary. I mean, he'd broken my heart. I was really shook. And the only thing 
I'm proud of is I think I, I handled myself pretty well mm -hmm. as he attacked me. I, I managed to, uh, not attack back, which I, I couldn't do with Tommy's. I don't know why I'm bragging right. about that. I couldn't do that anyway. <laughs> and, um, but he said to me after the show that it was just that he, he has such a high regard for me. He hated to see me do that. And he said this in an accusatory way. He said, if Hitler had a talk show, you'd go on it. And, uh, I said, yeah. And I would tell the truth. You know, I, I, I think his argument does fall down a little bit. If the person in question does not back down one bit, if you go on a Mormon TV show and say, there is no God and you should not attack gays and you are wrong about this. It seems like that's a little different than giving your whole, um, you know, imprimatur. Sure. You haven't given him your approval. You're just there to stop him. Someone should stand up and say no. Yeah, and that was you. Yeah, that's what. I, but I think both points are tr correct. I think I think we're in a situation where morally you can go on the show or not go on the show, and it's the same thing. But I'll tell you, man, uh, that really shook me up. It really shook me up, you know. And Martin Mull kind of went to bat for me a little bit, and Prevens kind of protected me a little bit. But uh, what um, what uh, Tommy wanted to say was important, and he said it, and it uh, it uh, it hurt me. Uh, but I don't mean he shouldn't have said it. You know, I think that when you go on these shows and I'm seeing the same thing, um, with Mr. Trump, mm -hmm. you know, Mr. Trump had his, uh, had his birther thing. Mr. Trump has politics different from mine. And, uh, a lot of people on Twitter, you know, um, right. said, uh, you are now, and I mean, I, I want to make this very clear that this is someone else talking and not me. They said, Penn, you are now a racist because you've gone on this show. And there's a lot of steps you have to take to get me to racist from there. You have to say that, um, Mr. Trump's, uh, wanting to see Obama's birth certificate was strictly racial. You have to say that. Sure. And uh, Mr. Trump never said that. He never claimed that. Uh, I don't believe that's the case. I saw nothing whatsoever racist in any way, shape, or form about uh, about Donald Trump at the time I spent with him. He seems and, to and be knowing someone, you, you would have said something at the time. I certainly I would mean, have. Yeah. As a matter of fact, at one point, this may come up in the boardroom. Uh, it's not really a boardroom, you know. It's a set. <laughs> <laughs> and there were some people on the show. That worked on the show. I mean, they were, they were my colleagues, my peers, you know, the celebrities in big quotes. <laughs> you know? That's what you're in danger of. <laughs> I, uh, I, they would say, you know, oh, this is a nice boardroom. And you'd say it's a set. And they, <laughs> they really seem to think that this, you know, this gigantic table, yeah. you know, this with all this fake wood. Leno's living room is so nice. <laughs> There's so many chairs. <laughs> There's so many chairs. He can fit like 600 people. Tell it's me. like people who say, you know, uh, you were on The Simpsons. What was that like? <laughs> what do you mean? What was it like to be in The Simpsons? What do you mean? It was sitting in front of a microphone. And probably we, right here. It's exactly. I wasn't actually here. I wish I could say that. It would be funnier. But I was in a studio. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like I went to Springfield. And did acting Homer Simpson. It's not like I was at the craft service table with Bart. I have now named, by the way, everybody I can name on the Simpsons. Show. You want me to throw them in for you? <laughs> you may have to. It's a set, you know, and we'd be, we'd be in the boardroom. And at one point, uh, Donald Trump said, um, he made a comment and then turned to me and said, uh, do you consider that sexist pen? And I said, yes, by definition. 
I mean, that, that was that was my immediate <laughs> answer. But I don't know. I mean, um, do you go to Chick Fil A? The, the no. restaurant you don't go to Chick Fil A. No, you don't go to Chick Fil A because it's Christian, heavily Christian, and they also give money to causes you don't agree with. No, I wouldn't say that, but <laughs> you just don't like Chick Fil A. I just don't like Chick Fil A. Okay, anymore. well that's that's no good then. I, I can't I, talk. Okay, to you. well let's go to um, In and Out Burger. In and Out. In and Out. I do go to In and Out. Yeah, and I kind of don't because on the bottom of the cups they have John three right. sixteen. They have well, you my, know you look my at your drink. Kids cup. and wife love it. Yeah. Well, your wife. I'm in a moral. Your dilemma. wife and your kids are the same food. Your wife. <laughs> they are. He's like a child. They've been trained to eat candy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I try to avoid an out burger. But where do you draw the line? I mean, uh, me going on uh, Celebrity Apprentice, does that mean I have to agree with every single position of every person on that show? Well, I know that I'm um, I'm oversimplifying, and the people are saying that that show is more about Donald Trump. Many people would not watch the show if you were not on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, but that's that's true all the time. That, yes, that's, of course. That, that's that's not a political. I haven't, you know, decision. I wouldn't necessarily be following Dancing with the Stars or, yeah, or yeah. Celebrity Apprentice at this point. Yeah, and I won't watch it because I am on it. Uh, <laughs> but it's really a question, and, and for the people who, I don't know if anybody's chiming in here, but anybody that attacked me for going on Celebrity Apprentice or going on Glenn Beck, where where do they draw the line? Is there someone that wants to um, call in? If you want to call in, uh, you know, you can text to Godot. We are up on um, Penn Sunday School, uh, P-E-N-N-S-U-N-D-A-Y. We're Penn Sunday on Skype. We're Penn Sunday on Skype, but we want to go first through the website. So that's PennSundaySchool.com. And the nice thing about what we did, and this is the genius that's Michael Godot, the nice thing about what we did is um, Penn's Sunday School and Penn Sunday School go to the same place. You don't have to worry about whether there's two S's after the double N. So it can be P E double N double S, Unday School, or it can be <laughs> Penn Single S, Unday School. I like Unday School. I think we should change the name. <laughs> but if someone has a strong opinion, I mean, I just don't know what you do. Like, I, if I'm in a movie, I mean, I was in a movie. That Oliver Stone wrote and directed. I was in a movie that um, that uh, um, Norman Mailer wrote and directed. Um, and not people you necessarily agree with. No, uh, not people <laughs> I agree with at all. On well, very I many. I thought I let you say that part. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I don't really, uh, I don't really know, and it troubles me. You know, when people attack me for being on Glenn Beck, um, for being on. Celebrity Apprentice, because that's not a show you like. Right. I, I got no problem with that. You know, I got no problem. I've been on a lot of shows that I don't I don't watch, because I don't watch much television. Did you get uh, harassed for Babylon 5? <laughs> I got no. I got not harassed. No hate mail? One bit. for uh, Not from The Simpsons either, I assume? No, no. I got no hate mail on Sabrina? Simpsons. No Sabrina hate mail on? Sabrina the Teenage on? Witch, nothing playing Satan. I got nothing on any of that. But, you know, there's a few. I guess there's not many. And I didn't get... Uh, I get a little bit of um, I get a little bit of resistance for going on Lawrence O'Donnell's show. Um, you know, mm, yeah, L- sure. why call LOD? One of my closest friends, present company excluded. Right. I went on LOD's show, and people uh, because he is such a well, he's a socialist. You know, yes. And that's a socialist, a real socialist said uh, said straight out. I mean, he said he calls himself a socialist. Right. He's not hiding. What it. I really hate is people who claim things for the other side that the other side doesn't claim. <laughs> if someone doesn't say they're a socialist, don't say they're a socialist. Someone doesn't say they're a racist, don't say they're a racist. <laughs> Somebody here is pointing out that 
you know, Trump doesn't like LOD either. So, oh no, he sure does. Both sides of that one. He sure (laughs) doesn't. And one of the things I was most proud of on my book, you know, God know. A New York Times bestseller, by which the way. You also you can click and purchase directly through our website. <laughs> and that's like the only way. By the way, uh, for those of you who think that I'm a, uh, a money grubbing whore, which I suppose I am, um, <laughs> we're not making money on this uh, on this yet at all. I mean, we're kind of hopeful that a, that a sponsor will come up. We are hopeful that we'll make a deal with Adam Carolla, but so far this is a test show yeah this is not a real show in any sort of way we're just kind of feeling out a little bit of fun what it feels like and what we want to do and how it would feel like to do 90 minutes on a sunday and also letting the audience kind of dictate sure what we but do it would be nice to generate a little bit it would. Of money and one and of the ways the equipment you can generate money for us to pay for the equipment and stuff is if you go to amazon to buy something you can just go to the website penn sunday school and go to the regular homepage, and there it says Amazon. If you click there, you go directly to Amazon just the way you normally will. You will not pay a penny more, not a bit more, but Amazon will kick us some coin back for you going through our portal. So if you want to help us out, it costs, I mean, the um, the example Adam Carolla always uses is it's like buying Paul Newman's salad dressing. You know, if the salad dressing is just as good, why not buy Newman's because you give some money to charity? Sure. If you're going to buy something at Amazon anyway, why not go through Penn Sunday School, drop us a little bit of coin, and we can pay for, you know, tea while we're here. Hey, let's take a little break here so I can tell you about Masterclass. I mean, a lot of the stuff we advertise on the show is stuff that, uh, you know, I know about. I always try to make sure that everything we advertise is really a good deal and all that stuff. I try it all. I do it all. But Masterclass is something that uh, we actually did. You can go to Masterclass and you can learn magic from us. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds. That includes us. Anytime, anywhere, at your own pace. You can learn how to do magic from pen and teller. It's just really, really a cool thing. Over a 100 classes from a range of world-class instructors. You know, that thing you always want to do is closer than you think. I'll tell you, you know, I've watched a lot of these master. I watched the uh, Ron Howard on directing. I watched uh, some of the Steve Martin. I watched an astronaut thing. I even watched a basketball thing to see how good they are at teaching it. Reddy Rich has been doing all of them. He loves them. But I got to tell you, we thought that they would do a good job on the magic one, but they did a great job. The quality is like cinematic. It's like they're doing a movie. The people that worked on it with us, the producers, the directors, they really learned it all themselves. They learned the magic stuff so they could teach it to other people. It's really, really good. So check out the Penn & Teller magic class. Even if that's all you got, it'd be worth it. I mean, it's got Johnny Thompson, it's got Piff in it, it's got, uh, it's got, uh, it's got Matt Donnelly in it. I highly recommend to check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass. So you can come for Penn and Teller, but stay for everything else. As a Penn Sunday School listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. So go to masterclass.com slash pen. That's right. Masterclass.com slash pen. That's masterclass.com slash pen for 15% off the masterclass. It's, it's a really, really great thing. Uh, do I have to tell you? You have to learn that you can learn how to write a book or a screenplay or just how to write a better letter. You can learn how to cook. You can learn, uh, it's really good. You learn on your, uh, Apple TV, your computer, your phone, your, anywhere, of course. The lessons are approximately 10 to 15 minutes in length, fit easily into your every 
day life. So do it. Masterclass.com slash pen. Go do it. Give it a try. It's really, really good. We love doing it, man. You have an interesting phone call? If you have an interesting phone call, we'll take it. Sure, sure. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. This is Matt. Let's put him on. You got Matt up there? Hey, Matt. I don't think it's good. Hey, guys, can you hear me? Yeah, you're you're, you're fine, Matt. How are you doing? You're from where? You're from Minneapolis? Minneapolis, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and uh, talk to us. What do you want to say? Well, I was a little surprised to find out that you said uh, you kind of ended up agreeing with Tommy Smothers about the whole Glenn Beck thing. It it seems to me like you had a chance to go and talk to people that weren't normally already on your side, and to me that seems more important. I mean, how much good is done preaching to the choir? Yeah, what 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 I said was that both sides are completely right. Uh, and it's just where you set the dial. You know, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of somebody in, in, in politics now that I wouldn't even go on their show. I mean, I feel a little creepy when, uh, I mean, I won't buy like Charlie Manson art. You know, (laughs) I I don't like to buy (laughs) some people collect serial killer stuff. You know, they have like Jeffrey Dahmer memorabilia. And, uh, yeah, some people are intensely creepy. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I don't know exact, I mean, I'm sure there's somebody that, um, you wouldn't even be in the company of, uh, even if it was to disagree with them. Is, is that true? I'm sure it is. I feel like the odds of a television pundit being so bad, I mean, without God winning the argument and going to someone like Hitler or, I don't know, pick your favorite African dictator. You know, is a television pundit ever going to be so bad that you couldn't do some good by trying to talk some sense into their audience? Yeah, well, you know, what it ended up doing, I mean, to to make your point, which is my point, and I'm playing the other side, but to, uh, <laughs> to, 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 to make your point, Glenn Beck ended up many, many, many times after that saying really good things about atheists. I mean, he would say... He, previously, before I was on, he would say stuff like atheists aren't real Americans, da 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 da. And then after I was on, he would talk about, uh, you know, his friend Penn Gillette, who's an atheist, who he agrees with on a lot of stuff, and Penn Gillette, an atheist who's also a good American, which, uh, which right. I think, I think that's a, you know, that's a difference. If people are really listening to Glenn Beck and they hear him say friend, atheist, and good American in one sentence, doesn't doesn't that help? Uh, Open mindedness. Like yeah, you can chalk that up in the win column. I think, can't you? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. But still, you know, you know it's easy for you to say you didn't have Tommy Smothers, your childhood <laughs> hero, yelling at you on TV. <laughs> but uh, thanks so much for calling, Matt. Thank you. Did you ever see? Uh, show. Super excited you guys are thanks. back. Oh, thank you. Thanks, man. Um, did you see Newdow when he was on O'Reilly? No. Remember the guy fighting the... Uh, yeah, yeah, I know Newdow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, O'Reilly you, didn't let him speak at all. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that that was an example of someone who should not have gone on a show. Because he would say, well, you know, I think it's... And O'Reilly would yell over the top of him. So he really got to say nothing. He was just on there to be a face uh, for O'Reilly to yell at. Yeah, well, I had, you know, I had a lot of that uh, with Pierce Morgan, you know. Yeah, sure. When I went on I the do. Pierce, yeah. Pierce Morgan show, I did the full interview with him and... uh uh, he he said he started out by saying I don't like you and I don't like your book. That was his first question, <laughs> and also had not read the book as far as sure, I know. Sure, of course, um, that's easier. <laughs> yeah, and he just you know, and I thought that was fine. You know, I just uh, there's an interesting thing you can do when someone's interrupting you, and this is so hard to learn. Really uh, hard for me to learn. I mean, maybe for other people who are more naturally polite, it, <laughs> but um, if someone keeps interrupting you on TV. 
and doesn't let you finish ever. And this happens as, as the show unwinds on Celebrity Apprentice. You'll see this happen. <laughs> Standard operating procedure, I believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's an interesting thing because in your heart, you don't trust the audience. In some level, you feel like you've got to tell the audience, I'm being interrupted. I haven't made my point. And what I realized uh, is that the entire audience is watching. So they know what's going on. So if you just let them interrupt and don't say anything, the audience will be screaming at their TV, let him finish, let him finish. What do you, what, of course, that's people that hate you. <laughs> and then they're going, good, you shut them up. We're done with that. Good. It was, uh, it was interesting because I tried to do a lot of that on Celebrity Apprentice. Uh, uh, I did not um, raise my voice to anyone on Celebrity Apprentice. Well, tonight's the first episode. We'll see. We'll We're going to check your stories here. Uh, well, you just go on blabbing. We're going to find out. Also, I just said to you, I didn't raise my voice, <laughs> and I realized that tonight I scream so much that my voice gets blown out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're probably you're probably wondering why those uh, those two things. But what I was screaming in, I mean, I didn't raise my voice in anger. I was screaming selling sandwiches I, while I've, juggling. I've heard this street. rumor. It was that going. You were out. selling sandwiches on the streets in New York. Is yeah, that? Yeah, it was going. It was going to my How'd street for me. I loved it. I absolutely. So, sandwich seller would have been a fine career choice. You think? Yeah. Well, possibly? you know, be bad. You know, we're both we're both street performers and sandwich guys, <laughs> sandwich guys and jugglers. You know, and sandwich I was guys, juggling yeah. and eating fire out on the streets of New York, and it was so so great. Now, my wife's calling in. Do you want to take a call from my oh, wife? Oh, why She's, wouldn't I? <laughs> the call's coming from inside the house. <laughs> get out! Get out! <laughs> okay, Emily, put Emily on. What does she want? Can you hear me? Yes, yes, we can hear you talk. And there's Hi. no buzz. Hi. So, yeah, I'm in the house. I'm in the other room. How are the bagels? They're good. Thank you. Yes. Good. I'm calling because about this Amazon.com thing. Mm -hmm. So so if I do all of our online shopping there and that percentage gets kicked back, am I just donating to ourselves? <laughs> yes. Or is it helpful? It's helpful. It's very helpful. Because I would have spent the money anyway. No, but you're not paying any more. That's the whole point I'm trying to make about the Amazon thing, is this is a way that you can help support Penn Sunday School without paying a penny more. So normally, if you were, if you were paying more, it would make no difference. But the fact that you're paying the exact same amount, if you're going in there and buying, you know, your book on golf for twelve ninety five. The price hey, of that book. I can see you rolling your eyes. I can see you rolling oh, your right. eyes when you say that. The $12.95. I guess a book, a book hasn't been $12.95 since like 1978, right? Just mine. <laughs> so, uh, but if you're buying that I book for $12.95, the price if you go through Penn Sunday School is $12.95. The price if you go straight without going through Penn Sunday School is $12.95. So all that does is Amazon kicks back some of their profit to me, so it's a good thing. So you can do that. Thanks so much for calling and uh, setting that up, Emily, because that's an important thing for them to know. We should do all our shopping through. The As a matter of fact, we can probably pay for the show. <laughs> <laughs> Yourselves. I'm one of the people that when I go on Amazon, all their stuff works for me. Mm -hmm. It really works. Like they say, people also buy this, and right. I buy it all. Right. I buy everything they suggest. My dad does that as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I go to spend twenty bucks and end up spending three hundred. I get a two boxes a week just from my dad. He's always oh, saw this on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. It's, they it's suggested great. this. I'll buy it for you. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's 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 a great <laughs> thing. So Tommy Smothers, big hero of mine, and I also say that uh, 
to those of you who are worried about my psychological well-being, which I think is um, nobody, Tommy Smothers afterwards was so kind to me and gave me such a, a big hug and very supportive and said, the only reason I get upset about this is that I, I, I feel you're so right and so well-spoken that I hate to see it, you being used that way. It was very very kind what he said and very very well you know tommy smothers also knows what makes good television and arguing with you on tv is good for everyone yeah i guess so yeah except for your poor little heart yeah (laughs) other than your poor little heart it's perfect well i get i get get heartbroken so easily you know the, the the there's a there's this feeling that people have um uh they've developed tough skins you know that howard stern and i mean i'm using really really old examples because that's where my my closest ties were but sam kennison was a friend of mine you think that um that sam and howard you know in the 80s would be really tough 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 and it comes down to the kind of the definition of bravery you know bravery is not absence of fear bravery is uh action in the presence of fear sure very different things and howard stern does not um say these things because people attacking him don't bother him. He says these things because people attacking him uh, shouldn't bother him, and he ignores it. And uh, that's the important thing about this. I mean, every time, you know, I have, what, 1.7 million Twitter followers. Of those 1.7 million, 1.6 million are trolls who are just (laughs) writing stuff in order to upset me. And I just want to tell you that every time they write something in order to upset me, like, um, you made this joke about Clay Aiken, I hate you, die, 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 die. <laughs> every single time they do that, it, it bothers me. And bothers me a lot. Bothers me to the point that I can't read my Twitter right before I go to bed. Or I get, I get too nervous and too upset. I'm coming off as such a, <laughs> uh, such a sensitive. I mean, all of a sudden this is. <laughs> That's why I quit going on all the chat boards. Cause it, you know what? It's, uh, it's just not fun. Yeah. You can't, you can't win. But you know, the, and I would feel unfair. You know, I would get like 15 tweets saying, I read your book. It, it changed my life. I loved it. It was fabulous. All this stuff, you know, these, these accolades that I certainly don't deserve just way over the top. Sure. Like, like they're writing to Christopher Hitchens or right. something, you know? Um, <laughs> and then one saying stuff. the hair on your arms is too long and you you cry all night. <laughs> Absolutely. And what I'm, what I try to think yeah. is, and yeah. it's true, is that that's this huge insult to all the people who've liked me. You know, it's like, what, it doesn't matter that I told you that this changed my life. You're upset because a Clay Aiken fan was unhappy that you, uh, that you didn't list him in your favorite person on the show, which is, which is what they're upset about. You know, the fact that I say that I like Paul Sr. the most is in their way, uh, 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 showing disrespect to Clay Aiken. Speaking of which, I have to get in touch with Clay Aiken. I have all his information. I can do this. You haven't told us a lot about what's going on with Celebrity Apprentice tonight. Why don't you, why don't you give us a little preview and tell us about tonight? Well, tonight's, you know, tonight's the first, the first show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't have any, I'm not privy to how it was edited. You know, we would hear these things <laughs> like they had a stop taping in the, in the, in the, uh, in the, uh, women's side because it got so crazy. Okay. Now, I don't even know what that could mean. <laughs> That, you know, they had a, they had a bring in the National Guard or something. Um, <laughs> Who are the women on the show? Oh, I Can can't name them all, them all but, chance, uh, Victoria Gotti, mm-hmm. Teresa from Housewives, Lisa Lampanelli, Lampanelli. My, my dear friend. I love Lisa. Uh, Aubrey O'Day. Okay. Uh, uh, Cheryl Teagues. 
uh, Miss Universe, uh, Diana, um, uh, uh, the actress from uh, the actor from uh, the Mummy. I'm up to seven, and I have to do two more. Right, <laughs> um, uh, Debbie Uh-oh. Gibson. Okay, and one more. Uh, I can't remember. Eh, whatever. I didn't have much. A lot of them. That was a lot of them. A lot of them. I did a pretty good job. And I would hear from Lisa Lampanelli. I mean, she's, she's the one I talked to. And also Aubrey O'Day, who I had the most contact with was, was those two. And, and Debbie Gibson a bit, uh, toward the end, whenever that end was, cause I could be fired tonight. We don't know. (laughs) Um, but, uh, uh, they were having, I mean, some serious fireworks. Oh, uh, Tia, Tia Carrera. Tia Carrera, there I you go. You, I think I, I named I them all. I know that one. Um, so Rachel Weiss, the, uh, was the girl from, um, the mummy, right? Yeah, I guess so. Is that her name? No. No, it was a different, was. different mummy? Different mummies. There, there were a couple of mummies. Yeah, something like that. Um, that didn't seem like the right name, but I didn't, you know, the way the teams shuffle, you don't get to be around everybody. Yeah, I, uh, I was just learning, I was just learning about the show, uh, in the, uh, in the first episode, you know, and mm-hmm. everybody else has a strategy except me. And my, you know, I got my strategy from the philosopher, Mike Tyson, yes. who said everyone has a plan until they get hit. And I knew that the second I walked in there, I mean, Adam Carolla, who's, oh, Adam Carolla. He wrote, wasn't one of the ladies on the show. <laughs> he wasn't one of the ladies on the show. That's right. That was the list you were uh, requested. <laughs> Adam, Adam Carolla, uh, brilliant man, good friend that I'm hoping this show will be on his network. I hope it all works out. If this test show goes well, it'll probably go out on Adam Carolla's network if Adam likes it. So Adam, we love you, Adam. And, uh, you know, the most successful podcast of all time, Adam Carolla. And Adam Carolla said about this show that it was like, um, Adam and I, he, he said, Penn, Penn and me, but he meant <laughs> Adam and me. <laughs> um, make that more confusing. <laughs> are like ballroom brawlers who are brought into a professional boxing ring. That's what it really felt like because Adam and I both talk professionally for a living. We both uh, have experience on all sorts of shows, you know, Howard Stern, everything else. But the people on this show, people like Aubrey O'Day and Teresa and Clay Aiken, uh, uh, they've done nothing but reality shows. I mean, <laughs> Aubrey O'Day has been on reality shows for her entire adult life. I mean, she's had hit singles. She's had, you know, dance hits. She's toured. But she's always on a reality show. So they have this knowledge of how to, uh, they have a team. Well, they, they know how <laughs> Strategists. to, um, you'll see these people who are reality show experts holding on to people and buoying them up, knowing they can take them down later. And they play these emotional games and, um, they know what they're doing and it's what they're supposed to be doing. I, I don't want to act like there's any sort of judgment on this. It's kind of like saying, you know, when he's playing chess, he's thinking of what move you're going to make next. That's the kind of chess player he is. Cheaters. Cheaters. Yeah, there's none of that. When, you, when you're playing poker, he's looking at your face to see what you're thinking about your cards. That's the kind of poker player he is, the rat bastard cheat. There's no cheating involved at all. That's what you're supposed to do. But Adam and I were just totally oblivious to all these alliances and stuff, Adam and I were saying what was popping into our heads. <laughs> and we were commenting on people based on how much we liked about them or didn't like about them or whatever we wanted to do. It was, it was a, it was a crazy, crazy, crazy thing. And it's also, and I, we're going to talk about this as the show goes on, as we do Penn Sunday School. 
if you want to really understand Penn Sunday School, if you're one of the people that really enjoys listening to us talk, you really should read this book, uh, Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow. Because uh, Daniel Kahneman, I'll get some of this wrong, so watch the watch the feed as I say this, because people will correct me. But I think he won the 2003 Nobel Prize in Economics. Okay. And Daniel Kahneman uh, is, a, is a shrink, Israeli shrink. And uh, he found a lot of this stuff about suboptimal choices that humans make. You know, sure. uh, economics is usually based on everybody making the best possible choice. And he's the one that um, studied and said they often don't. But he has a whole chapter in there. And I sent the book, Daniel Kahneman's book, to the two producers, um, Paige and Nancy from um, Celebrity Apprentice. Be uh, sorry, The Celebrity Apprentice. It's The <laughs> Celebrity Apprentice. And remember that because it's like, you know, you know very well, Ringley Brothers and Barnum and Bailey, greatest show on earth. <laughs> you have to say that every single time. Same thing. You don't say apprentice. You don't say celebrity apprentice. The Celebrity Apprentice. It's right. like The Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. You got to have it in there every time. Uh, uh, what did I say? Oh, Daniel Kahneman. So I yeah. said it to the producers. I was distracted because I saw Heather pop up on the uh, Skype, and she pulled my attention for a moment. Um, but uh, Daniel Kahneman has this whole thing on ego depletion. And I'll be talking a lot uh, about Celebrity Apprentice and about ego depletion and how that worked in that show. Because when you watch the show from the outside, you think these are a bunch of loser, narcissistic, B-level celebrities who don't have a brain in their head. 100% true. But that's not the reason that we go off. The reason that we go off as anybody would because of uh, ego depletion. And it turns out that the ego, the filter that you put on yourself, sure. uh, gets tired. And if you put someone on camera for like five, six hours without a break, like right now, you're really aware of everything you say because you know there's a camera on you and there's a microphone what? in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> you're very aware of that. And I you'll am. do fine with that for an hour and a half. You'll do fine with that for two hours, maybe even four hours, maybe even five hours. But it, after that point, it's a little like being drunk. So all that stuff you saw with Meatloaf and Gary Busey, well, of course, you know, Gary Busey may not need ego depletion <laughs> to be a little, uh, to be a little eccentric, but that you looking at me, you want a piece of this? That kind of stuff just happens. Now with me, when ego depletion comes in, I push in order to be aggressive. I push in order to say things that are provocative. When I'm tired, when my ego is depleted, what I'm holding back is just saying nothing. <laughs> so as the days go on, other people start yelling and I start getting quiet. That's what you're going to see. So the song you just heard, uh, Penn Sunday School, based on Pleasant Valley Sunday. We're going to tie this one up. <laughs> tie this up. This is a section. We're going to the next section. Mike Nesmith. Uh, I made this huge mistake. I sent him the copy of the theme of Penn Sunday School, uh, very, very hesitantly. It turned out he loved it. But um, he, um, I wrote to him, you know, I don't know if you played the guitar on Pleasant Valley Sunday, <laughs> which I could have just done a quick search and found out and not been embarrassed. But instead, I just sent the email out. And he sent back to me, yes, I played that on a 1956 Black Beauty through three Marshall stacks. <laughs> that, boom, ba, da, 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 da. Yeah. that is played through, no, Black Beauty Les Paul, 56, three Marshall stacks. Now, remember, this is in, what is it, Coljim's Columbia Studio in, uh, 
in LA. Mm-hmm. And in the studio, he's got three Marshall stacks. Three Marshall <laughs> stacks when Eric Clapton would have played with cream in a full size venue. <laughs> and the 63 Black Beauty was new. Uh, 56. 56. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought I said 63. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It was a, it was a, uh, it was a vintage. The classic at that point. Yeah. And, and that incredible sound. If you listen to, yeah. not, not on our version. Because our version is, uh, that's Ty Simmons playing. I forget what he's playing, but he's playing a Les Paul and just through, I think he's through a direct box. But, um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it was, it was, uh, Mike Nesmith and, uh, and a huge hero of mine in, uh, Monterey along with Tommy Smothers. Are we supposed to go to Heather? Is Heather, uh, on the Heather's on the call. Oh. You want to talk to Heather? Okay. Let's go. Heather, what's up? Hey, can you hear me? Yes. Very, very well. And I want to point out that Heather Henderson is, uh, the one singing bop, 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 and Sunday school. That's what she's doing. Go ahead. What's up, Heather? She can still sing it. How's it going in the office there? It seems to be going okay. It seems to be going all right in vintage nude studio here. How are you doing? People in the chat are seeming to have some lagging issues, but it depends on where they're maybe listening from. Somebody's listening from a coffee shop. Some people are listening from home. So that's probably a huge issue. It seems like. I can hear you and see you perfectly fine. Wonderful, wonderful. Did you have a comment or yeah, you just calling? I'm only, uh, you know, 100 miles away. So You're just calling that you're uh, five by five? Is that all you're saying or is there anything else? Sorry? Are you just calling to report on the uh, tech or you got anything um, No. <laughs> I want to know, know what's going on with the No God Band. Well, the No God Band. Well, the No God Band. <laughs> She's calling I, her boss to check in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wrote a, uh, I, I took a nap yesterday. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> I've been feeling a little bit under the weather. Well, we, were, we were heading in this direction to talk about this anyway. Yeah. Good. I took a nap yesterday. Thank you, Heather. And uh, I went to sleep, as I often do, with the heads, with my headphones on, my, uh, by the way, my Fanny Wang headphones. Now, if Fanny Wang <laughs> wanted to be the advertiser on this show, nothing could make me happier. First of all, Fanny Wang. Dear Fanny Wang. <laughs> Fanny Wang headphones are great, great headphones. Can but get second them of all, <laughs> you can get them through Amazon, click on the uh, Penn Sunday School page. Fannie Wang headphones are fabulous. They're the best. He- I buy, I'm, I'm a headphones freak. I've got like five pair. I buy the best. I got the, I got the Bose. I got all the, you know, I get all the noise canceling. And Fannie Wang not only makes the best headphones that I found, but they also have the best name. Don't you want it to say Fannie Wang? On the side of your head when you're on the airplane? <laughs> Don't you want everybody to see Fanny Wang right there? So I went to sleep and I was listening to um, Bob Dylan's uh, Blonde on Blonde parts of it. I was listening to, um, I think, uh, Fourth Time Around. When she said, don't wait, I shouldn't be singing that, probably don't have rights for it, but um, <laughs> the one that's the same basis as Norwegian Wood. Um, uh, it's what it's a Dorian, it's Dorian mode, and it's mm-hmm. a, the one that's in 12 8. And um, uh, I was listening to that. And all of a sudden, in my head, I started singing an entirely different song called Clay Aiken. And I wrote a song called Clay Aiken that's about um, uh, Steve Jobs sending uh, um, Apple, Apple stuff to be made overseas before he died. It's about diamond mining. It's about Ebola uh, virus. And it's about working with Clay Aiken on Celebrity Apprentice. And I think it's going to be in three, four time. I haven't written all the music yet. But I want to ask you, Heather, 
Can you do a passable uh, Clay Aiken impersonation? Or should that be Sarah that does that? A passable Clay Aiken impersonation? I don't think so. <laughs> you don't think so? Yeah. Well, I shouldn't think, we uh, just get Clay Aiken? I well, mean, that I, seems to me I'm that... I'm going to ask Clay to do it because what the, the punchline of the song is, there's two verses that, a, that, a, that make fun of Clay Aiken. Then there's a bridge that deals with Mr. Trump. And then there's the final verse, which makes fun of me. And it's sung from Clay Aiken's point of view. Perfect. So I would like to have Clay Aiken come in, you know, with all the melisma that he does, the mm-hmm. all that fancy uh, vocal stuff. And he sings beautifully. I mean, he sings. Uh, I will say that Clay Aiken singing in a room with no amplification, no musical accompaniment, no reverb, no nothing, no auto-tune, is one of the purest dead-on-tune notes I've ever heard. He's just well, that's a, quite a compliment. He's a phenomenal singer, and I, you know, I have some uh, some issues with you know his phrasing and so on. Uh, and but his time is really good, and his uh, his pitch is dead on, which uh, will of course, if we sing together on this, which I hope we will, it'll point out my deficiencies in pitch because I am never exactly on pitch it, it, it drives me crazy that might be part of about you, Penn, is that I, you're really easy to blend with so when i'm singing with you you know you tend to either take a, the main note or you'll take a harmony and whichever one you do i just try to blend in with you and right it works but out i okay, i think but that he either take a main note or a harmony that isn't a choice you- i'm making <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the important point if clay aiken or you <laughs> Or Sarah were taking a, a, a main note or a harmony, melody or harmony, you would know the uh, the difference. You know, I want to hold your hand. Yeah. You know that I want to hold your hand. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. talking about the song. <laughs> I'm talking about I want to hold your hand, Godot. Yeah, that's all. Um, uh, I want to hold your hand, you know, um, is two melody lines, one which plays with harmony of the other. Do you know that? No. I was just reading about this. If you listen to I want to hold your hand, Paul and John are both singing melody leads. And if you want to sing along with them, and if you sing along in your car, you're usually uh, singing the melody. You don't mm-hmm. sing the harmony. Sure. I mean, I'm sure Heather sings the harmony, but you sing the melody. With I want to hold your hand, you can sing either part, and it, it reads as the melody. It's kind of nutty that way. I like that. <laughs> but thanks for calling, Heather. We'll be doing- Thank uh, you so much. We're rehearsing the, um, the Skype thing. worked really well. I'm happy that was kind of cool. Uh, Did we actually get her up on video at any point? Do you know, was it up? Was it up on video? Uh, Rich, Rich, it was oh, okay. Good, good, cool. good. It's, people it's, got to boy. see Heather. We're really, we're really doing <laughs> well. It's here. not up on video now while she's making she's faces. making faces at us. <laughs> um, but that's uh, that's where we are with Celebrity Apprentice. I can't give too much away. After you see tonight's show next week, next Sunday at noon, and then put up uh, at five p.m. on uh, iTunes and everywhere else. For those people who don't like uh, the Apple establishment um we'll have it available other places as well but it's all through the website really ah i'm trying to make it even though we have the twitter pen sunday and we have skype which is pen sunday uh and we have emails and stuff even though we have all of that i'm so happy with the way you put together the website along with cyan well that would be mostly cyan (laughs) i just want to give credit to her yeah, she well, so is science amazing she's fabulous. amazing and uh you should uh you should go through penn sunday school a uh, pensundayschool.com and uh go there and there's all this chat stuff and email and we'd love to hear yeah, what the, you'd like to hear yeah and also for the, the people who are listening to uh the feed later on people have lo- downloaded it as a podcast if you want to tune in through Ustream, you can watch the show live 
and uh, make the comments and do the call-ins, and we'd love to have you. Right, but also if you're watching it on, uh, which, you know, on our, on our, a lot of people told us that on the Penn Radio show that we did for, what was it, a year and a half? A couple of years, yeah. A couple of years? That they would, you know, listen while they were uh, running or exercising or something like that. <laughs> uh, and uh, if you're doing that, if you want the audio, because we're not, we're not doing fancy video. All we've got is a camera on each of us and then the Skype stuff. Uh, but if you want to have a comment, and yet you're not watching it live. You can go to Penn Sunday School when you're going there to click on Amazon to buy the stuff you're going to buy anyway. It doesn't cost you a penny more and gives us money and helps keep us going. If you do that, uh, you can leave comments, and you're reading all the comments. I am reading so comments. So you will, you will have a major effect on the uh, on the next Sunday show just by... Uh, you know, I, while you're talking about the major effect thing, I think we should talk about our... We're looking for a news person. Yeah, we are. Uh, one let's, of the things let's is start that contest yeah, now. I guess it's, a, it's, it's a kind of a contest, uh, sort of a contest. Um, uh, Godot and I love doing the show together, but we have we're both kind of mid rangey guys, and the um, the radio formula is you're supposed to have a woman on the show for the woman's point of view. Now I believe strongly that there is no such thing as a woman's point of view. That there is no That's special not a sexist comment. You're just it's the opposite clearing it up. It's the it's, it's the opposite <laughs> of a sexist comment. All right. I don't think that you I can. It just could have been read that way. No, it couldn't. You <laughs> cannot say that a that there is a woman point of view. Uh, there are an infinite number of point. No, there aren't. There's the number of women there are. That's the number of point of views there are. Um, uh, there's people. And the differences between men and women are just, you know, Rita Rudner's act and Bobby Slayton's act. It's just a comedic <laughs> device. I don't believe in any difference between men and women at all. I believe talking about differences in men and women with shopping and sports and all that stuff is exactly like talking about differences in racial IQ. Uh, even if you could find it, it doesn't matter because the individual differences are so much greater than the group differences. Of course, of course. So it's not like we want a woman to come on the show and give a point of view that is different from our point of view. What I am looking for, however, is a different sounding voice. Yeah. So a man with a very low voice or a woman with a very low voice or a man with a very high voice or a woman with a very high voice that just cuts in a little differently. So you're not just hearing, you know, you get the slight New England sound on me, the slight Louisiana sound on you. Well, let's talk about what we want from our person. I will. How about that? I want, <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, okay, let's talk about what we want from the person. <laughs> okay, well, I'm thinking of it as newswoman position. The newswoman. You know, Robin Quivers, but um, not because I want a woman's point of view, but because I want a woman's voice. That's of course. And we don't have to have this person be in Vegas at all. I don't think they need to so be So we'll sit, have them call in on Skype. On Skype, and maybe sit on Skype for a long time, you know? Uh, maybe, maybe they'd sit up there and what I need someone to do, it's got to be somebody and it doesn't even have to be in Vegas. doesn't have to even be in the United States. You know, anybody in the world could do this because of the wonder of the inner tube, you know, yes. everybody's on the inner tube. They can check everything. Uh, <laughs> by the way, that's what Mojo Nixon calls it is the inner tube. And I love that. So I'm taking that from Mojo and Mojo. We got to get on this show. He's I, been on before. Yeah, he, he was, he was on. on the last show. We yeah, he was, he's a he's he's a great great guest and a great guy, Mojo Nixon. Uh, anyway, the inner the inner tube. Everybody's on it, and we need somebody who will read. Who reads? I don't. They don't. Shouldn't do this as their assignment. They should do it already. Read the news. Pull out stuff that they think Goudeau and Penn would want to talk about, which is pretty simple. Monkeys. 
Supreme Court, God. Those are the only three subjects we talk about, really. Right? And Clay Aiken at this point. And Clay Aiken. <laughs> <laughs> For the monkeys, next few weeks, anyway. Monkeys, the Supreme Court, <laughs> uh, God, and Clay Aiken. Not in that order. Song to, poems. To all the, uh, yeah, to all the, um, uh, the Claymates. And I'm hoping that some of the Claymates will listen to this show. Because one of the things I loved about doing Celebrity Apprentice is I got to meet a bunch of the Claymates, which sure. is what the hardcore fans yes, of Clay Aiken are called. And on bullshit, you know, we did a hunk. On the Claymates. Yes, we did. We did. And, um, we, uh, uh, but the Claymates would come to everything we did that was out in the public and they're really nice, cool people. And D. Snyder and I especially both dug the Claymates hard. So I hope that the Claymates will, uh, will start listening into our show and give us, uh, give us comments. I'm kind of calling out the Claymates, but anyway, you have to read the news for those four subjects, which I care about a lot and you care about a lot. And pick, I don't know, a number. You know, this is pretty loose form. Four, five, six stories that uh, you can be well-versed in. And then at noon, Vegas time, which could be 8 in the evening, 7 in the evening, London. English time. <laughs> or uh, the next day. 6 a.m. in Australia. 6 a.m. in Australia. Uh, come on with us. And then you'd report on these stories. And then we would talk to you about them, a slightly different sound that comes over the radio, you know, uh, not just these same different voices. different rhythm. Be nice. A little different rhythm, yeah. And an accent would be really cool, you know, uh, really cool. And I just, well, well that's, that's where I want the, <laughs> the, the uh, pitch to be. Really cool. And then you would be on uh, with us for, um, for maybe five minutes reading the news stories, or maybe as we comment... You might be on a half hour, 45 minutes, half the show, sitting in the background on Skype. So if someone wants to do that, what do we have for them to do? They go to uh, pensundayschool.com. Sure, send us an email or uh, contact uh, us through right, the website. To, to Godot, Godot, yeah, right? sure. Yeah, Godot, through the website, and say you're interested. And I'd like to try like four or five different people. Sure, let's try one a week, different, maybe different for weeks. a few weeks. And, and uh, oh, they also have to tell us. What stories you're going to talk about and brief us? The emails, yeah, a little bit, so we can read up on them. Yeah, well, that's important. You know, people don't know this, I guess, but when you go on, uh, well, politically incorrect before and now real time, or you go on Greg Gutfield's show, Red Eye, which incidentally is a fabulous show. I haven't seen it. You ever watch Red Eye? No. It's on Fox. It's a comedy show on Fox, which seems insane to begin with. <laughs> but Greg Gutfield is this really funny, great guy. His whole team there. Is wonderful. When you go on one of those shows, whether it's real time or whether it's one of those, they give you a dossier before you go on that tells you every story they're going to be talking about and gives you like five different points of view covering it. So when Bill Maher brings <laughs> up one of the subjects and everybody on the panel, you know, jumps on in, jumps on in, it's yep. not because everybody is that news, you know, savvy. news careful, savvy. Thank you. Uh, that news savvy. It's really that we're given a cheat sheet. You're given all the information beforehand. There's a guy sitting up on Skype. Do you want us to talk to that guy, Ready Rich? Ready Rich is in the control room there. This will be John from. Oh, really? Really? He's applying for the news girl position already. Hello, John. Absolutely. Hey. Pat. How, how are hey, things in Godot? Calgary? You better put your voice up higher because right now you're <laughs> in the same range as us. Uh, and Gadda? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, we can. All right. Um, so, yeah, just. Uh, I was a big listener of the uh, Free FM show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and I, you know, I, I've still kept on listening to the old episodes, the whole five years you've been gone. So, uh, <laughs> you've been back to me. Is so it five sorry. years? We've been off the air five years? Not continuously. I mean, I took breaks. So I wasn't <laughs> listening to <laughs> no, but we've but, been off the air five years, kiddo. Oh, I thought yeah. it was like two or three. Did we stop five years ago? Five years. Wow. Oh yeah. Because it was, uh, Z was born. I went to the hospital. Yes, on one of the early shows. On one of the you early left in the shows of when show. Z was born, I left in the middle of the <laughs> Abandoned show. Abandoned me here, and that was toward the end. So you're you're right. Good. So so far, this guy's news reporting is excellent. <laughs> He's very accurate. <laughs> uh, I've listened to every episode at least uh, like five times. Good. Like I could be the pen historian. Okay. If you tell a story <laughs> that you already told on the old pen show, have I told <laughs> any stories that I told in the old pen shows? Sorry. Have I done that today? Have I told you the same old stories? Um, you did last week during the test test. Oh yeah, but that was test test test. This is, we did <laughs> this test is test test. We did test test, and this is just test. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll try to not tell any stories more than five years old. So you got you got a news story for us? You want to hit but, a headline and say, see how it sounds? Yeah, I was thinking. Well, I want to ask. Yeah. Do you have a story? <laughs> um, do you have a news story for you? Yeah. Um, Oh, I, well, I didn't do uh, I didn't do news searching yet, but I actually wanted to ask you um, <laughs> because uh, well, you talked a lot about uh, times in your life when you were crazy, like uh, when you had a donkey hat on and naked <laughs> in the bathtub, or yeah, uh, yeah. you know, other things where you wanted to eat monkey chow. I was just wondering if there's something <laughs> you never did any of that on the air before where you were crazy in your life. Well, do you know about uh, do you know about doing a by uh, topiary phase? Oh, that one, yeah. You, you do know my topiary <laughs> phase. He knows everything. How about the apiary phase? Isn't that one coming up? Well, the apiary phase is coming up. Because <laughs> we're entering a new crazy phase. Yeah. I have a real problem, and I've talked about this a lot. It's one of my obsessions. So you already know this, John. But I have a real problem with topiaries that have a wire frame on the inside. That's most of them. That makes me crazy. I believe that if you're going to do a topiary, and this, I would have probably been a topiary artist had I not been. Or a sandwich if, seller. <laughs> if there had been an amazing Randy of topiary, <laughs> I would have gone into topiary because I was disillusioned with two things in my youth. One was topiary and one was magic. I hated the fact that magicians lied. I hated that. And then Randy came along and said, but you're an honest liar. I believe that the documentary coming out on Randy is called an honest liar. It's a phrase he uses a lot. And Randy kind of taught me that and pulled me on board and got me involved in magic. But topiary, no one ever came along and made me okay with wire frames. Uh, they put, you know, it's like Lego. Have you been to Legoland? Yeah, of course you have. sure, of course. Legoland. I love Legoland. Duh. <laughs> love Legoland. Man, my those, children those love, fried apple fries oh my goodness <laughs> love everything about everything Legoland, about Legoland. except when they have a lego structure like you go through yeah, the little yeah, sure. the little boat thing lego town yeah sure lego stuff some of those lego things have structures on the inside and they glue the legos Kidding. on the outside Ugh. you know how much that bothers me yeah for a topiary, it bothers me now i wish you hadn't mentioned for it. a topiary guy like me i saw him chipped off and to me, the cool, I'm not even happy that Lego makes special parts. You know, my the, son and I are having a lot of discussions about this. When, you know, when we were kids, Legos were uh, a box of Legos. You made what you could out of it. And yeah. now it comes as a kit. You know what I mean? Yeah. They and have, you, they have the whole direction. Jago Lego. Here's yeah. how you make, here's how you make the jet. 
out of the Legos. Yeah. And they have a special wing pieces and a pilot and pilot's pants. Yep. I don't know why pilot's pants bothers <laughs> me so much, but a uh, Pontius pilot's it's pants. Say. We should have it since it's Sunday school. It should be Pontius pilot's pants. Um, Ben, Ben talks about Pontius pilot's pants. When you make your little notes about what we do on the show, Ben talks about Pontius pilot's pants. At 101. Um, but, uh, they have, uh, they have a, uh, uh, the whole thing, they tell you what you're supposed to build, and they have special decals and special pieces. What I loved about Legos, and I was incompetent. You knew that. You know I'm incompetent with Legos. I was not surprised. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you were going to have somebody build something with Legos, how far down on the list am I the guy you'd talk to? Yeah. Well, Way you know. down. <laughs> am I at the bottom? Is there anybody who'd be worse with Legos? You know, no spatial relations, no ability to rotate things in my head, no mechanical sense whatsoever. I don't think you, anybody that you know personally would be worse with Legos. I don't think so. Lance no. wouldn't be worth with, worth with Legos. Lance has some of those skills, right? Lance, Lance, Lance could build something out of Legos. Yes, I yeah. believe he could. I'm terrible. But what I appreciated about other people is when they build like the Taj Mahal out of uh, Legos. Themselves. Now you can buy the Taj Mahal set. It's got 5,000 pieces. Again, my... Autistic son would tell you exactly how many pieces there were. There is a Taj Mahal there set? There is a Taj Mahal set. Well, it used to be, there's probably a Hoover Dam set too, right? Mm, I haven't seen Hoover Dam, no. Yeah. But you can... Uh, Burj you can... Khalifa. What's that? <laughs> Tallest building in the world. Oh, is it? Yeah. Where is it? Dubai. Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Gold toilets. <laughs> Dubai. I like the idea that you get that Legos are building blocks that you put together. For your imagination. Yes. For your imagination. Well, did you create something? And that's the real. Except that, do you know what we used to do? Me and my friends used to build cars out of Legos and then crash them into each other. Yeah. That was our game. You know, if your car could still roll, you were still in the game. <laughs> that's it. Well, that's perfect. Where's our, he's like shaking all over the place. Our newspaper guy, news reporter's gone all over. <laughs> he's got he started us on Legos. Well, and put, now... John, well, put John on the list. He hasn't had time to look at stuff now. So we're done. We're done with John for now, but you're on the list. You're one of the people we're considering, but you're hopping hey. around so much. You're distracting us. <laughs> when it's time, you will. I want my you, Steve McQueen. Oh, yeah, Steve McQueen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's a bit. Put plus Steve McQueen. Plus Steve McQueen. <laughs> Minus hopping around like a crazy, like a crazy frog. If you were hopping around like a crazy monkey, you'd be fine. Yeah. So I'm really bothered by the fact that there are uh, frames. Inside the Legos at Legoland. We have a question here on the uh, thing. Yeah, Frank Lloyd writes, Falling Water. Yeah, that is a Lego kit as well. Is it? It is. Yeah, that's not right. <laughs> I mean, making Frank Lloyd writes Falling Water. Would be yeah, with plain Legos, spectacular. Spectacular. It also makes things smaller. You know, that their kits make them smaller. And there's also like horses. There's a horse, a Lego horse. You just stick there. <laughs> I think if you're going to make a horse, make it out of Legos. And I thought the topiaries, you know, when you go to Disney, you know, there's the big topiaries. Yeah, sure. They're just frames with green on them. It's essentially flocking. It's these flocking topiaries. <laughs> the flocking topiaries. Which is the name of the my flocking next topiaries. If, if Clay, if Clay Aiken wants to do the song that I wrote for us, we'll be with me. Clay and the flocking topiaries. I don't think he'll want to do it with the No God Band. Probably not. Because, uh, I, I believe, I believe he he's is, a God guy. I believe he's a theist and I wouldn't want to, um, insult him. That's, that's not right. I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't record with a Christian band and we're back to the Glenn Beck thing. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I'd be a little uncomfortable. I want to make him comfortable. So I have another band that has the exact same people in it with a different <laughs> yeah, name. Yeah, the Flocking Topiaries. Well, no, the Flocking Topiaries might be the name we'd change it to. 
But right now, the band is called Great Name for a Band. Okay. So there's the No God Band, and there's Great Name for a Band. All right. And uh, uh, what are we at for time? How long have we been doing? We're good. 105. We got an oh, that's nice. That's We're nice. good. We got another. We haven't gotten it all. 20 minutes, if you want. The, uh, 15, to the, 20. To the song poems, have we? We haven't done the song poems. You want you want to start that up? You want to wait till another week for that? Well, you know, we do have, you, since you did talk about the economic uh, thing, and we haven't done a monkey story, I would, uh, we can hit the monkey Tuesday thing. Yeah, let's do monkey Tuesday. Uh, We're not going to take the Skype call right now. We're going to go to uh, monkey Tuesday. Give us a monkey Tuesday theme, please. Hit it. Uh, ready, Rich? Want to hear it? Boy, that feels good, doesn't it? It is nice. <laughs> it feels, feels really good to have the... Uh, Flows right through you, doesn't it? Man, um, I'll be humming that the rest of the day. Yeah, that's that Mike <laughs> Jones. That's the great Mike Jones, Jonesy, who plays the pre-show in the Penn & Teller show, doing the Monkey Tuesday theme, which, you know, we play for uh, an hour before every show. Uh, every night at the Penn and Teller Theater. That's right. If you come in, in at Vegas. eight, show starts at nine. Show starts at nine, but if you come in at eight, we play jazz for an hour. And uh, it's Jonesy on piano, and I play bass, upright, bass fiddle. And uh, the most requested song, people come up on stage to examine the props we're going to use for the show, and people come, up, people come up by Jonesy and say, play Monkey Tuesday, play Monkey Tuesday. And Jonesy's standard answer is, it's not Tuesday. But now we're going to do something to make Jonesy's life miserable, <laughs> which is we are going to have Monkey Tuesday. I, I think, you know, my wife suggested Simeon Sunday. Yeah, it's a good idea. Uh, although there's no alliteration in Monkey Tuesday. None. But I just think that we can just do Monkey Tuesday. Just unhinge it and fling it out there. Unhinge it and fling it out there. And it's going like to be feces, Monkey Tuesday. Like feces from a monkey. <laughs> it's going to be Monkey Tuesday, Rich. When I say that, okay, we got to we got to work with Rich. He's bit. not happy, Jack, yet, but no, he'll no. catch up. What I say, hit it. What I say, there it is. Now you can stop it. You can stop it now. Now what we'll if I said, him. Rich? What if I said Monkey Tuesday? Now that's pull of the weasel. <laughs> there it is. Oh, good. Now, ready, Rich? Every time, no matter what, that I say Monkey Tuesday, you hit that button. <sighs> <laughs> You're going to practice. You're going to practice that. Jer Ready Rich is in the uh, control room there. Uh, Jera is with is with him. Now, yeah, after Dustin's in there as well, I believe. Oh, Dustin's in there too? When the show is over, uh, Jera, Dustin, you're going to work with Ready Rich a little bit and just say some sentences, and then every once in a while he's not expecting you throw in Monkey Tuesday and see if he's just ready. <laughs> there we go. Now we got it. He's What's got our it. story for Monkey Tuesday? Well, you know we have a uh, beautiful, very beautiful. nicely done. Now, you see, Man. you don't have to work with him. He's it's a financial a story. <laughs> yeah. It's a financial and a monkey story. They trained monkeys to... It also mentions Daniel Kahneman, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It does indeed. That's why we've tied it into today's show. My big hero. It. Uh, you can train monkeys to use money. They gave monkeys money, and when they put a dollar coin in a slot, they got a grape. And this is Dr. Chen, right? At MIT? Dr. Chen, yes. MIT, is it? MIT? I believe it was MIT. Uh, or is it Harvard College? Yeah, you know, I'd have to look it up again to pull that up. I guess we could. I, I have it somewhere here. Yeah, I got it somewhere. See, if we had a news person, they would have all this. <laughs> they'd have figured. the data. They'd be all ready. But yes, it's Dr. Chen. That's close enough, isn't it? We got that. We Go ahead with Dr. Chen. Okay. Gave monkeys uh, uh, coins. Yeah, and he also, uh, they taught them to, they did experiments with altruism where they had monkeys uh, hit a button that would give a marshmallow in the other cage. Right. And they're using capuchin. Am I saying that right? Capuchin, sure. Why not? Capuchin monkeys. 
I never knew how to pronounce that. I haven't said it aloud much, but is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's People right. aren't typing in, he's a fool saying Capucci. I don't know. I'm looking up the article. They can type in what they want. Okay. <laughs> They've got a moment of freedom without my watching eyes. Um, Keith Chen's monkey research. There it is. Keith Chen. And wh- where is he? I don't know yet. <laughs> anyway, um, he, uh, he, hey, he, Yale and New Haven Hospital. Yale, good. Yale. Seven capuchin monkeys have been taught to use monkey, monkey money, and uh, for a comparison of their behavior with money, just see how they handled it versus people. Yeah, and uh, the one thing that they found out, and you'll find this a lot in the uh, Daniel Kahneman book, is they were loss averse, even though if you gamble, um, to to you, you get one if you win and none if you lose. But if you already have that one ahead of time, you're less apt to take the gamble. You don't want to lose something. Yes, if you were holding one, they would not gamble. But if they were not holding one, they did gamble. Yeah. If they had a chance to double their grapes, they did gamble. And that's one of the things in uh, in human behavior, exactly the same as monkeys. And then the punchline. It turns out that everything was exactly the same as the humans. The monkeys learned to use the money instantly. They also used it for other things. Yeah. They also stole money. They were great. The monkeys were <laughs> remarkably human. Yeah. Pops, they're Pops, so, so much, much like, like us. us. Pops, they're so... Here it is. There's Monkey Tuesday. There's the Monkey Tuesday shirt. There he is! He's got it. He's got it. I'll go hold this up. Pops, they're so much like us. That's the official uh, T-shirt of Monkey Tuesday. And, uh, oh, he's good now. It was just that one glitch. That one glitch. Now he's dead on it. Monkeys never deliberately save any money, but they do sometimes purloin a token or two during an experiment. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. And one Capuchin took the entire tray of tokens and threw it into the main chamber. And did a combination of scheme. Yeah, a jailbreak and a a money laundering scheme. Yeah. (laughs) And then the the punchline we're going to, which upset uh, Dr. Chen. Yeah, they they went out of their way to try to stop a particular monkey behavior. And we're, we're both so excited about it, we're trying to hold back. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. I, you're the boss. I'm going to let you say it, but boy, I want to. <laughs> the monkeys with the money invented prostitution. Instantly. Instantly invented prostitution. It took them no time at all to realize that they could use their money to buy, uh, to buy some monkey sex. <laughs> and Chen has taken great steps. That's the first, just so you know, that's the first time I've ever said monkey sex without saying hot in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> hot monkey sex. It almost seems like you have to do those three words together. <laughs> hot monkey sex. Just doing monkey sex doesn't sound, they spent, you know, they spent money for hot monkey sex and the, um, the deliverer of the monkey sex, uh, uh, immediately bought a grape. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Didn't save anything for the future. Nope. Uh, she Just bought like a me. grape right away. <laughs> but all uh, capuchins, monkeys care about is food and sex. And they will eat marshmallows until they vomit and then eat more marshmallows, <laughs> which is a quality that I respect. And they also just care about sex. So sex and marshmallows and money, that's what you end up with. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a very, very good Monkey Tuesday story. Doesn't work for me. Rich! Still, still, no, it never worked for me. It's not in the old show, and it still doesn't. I thought, I thought we could catch the new guy. With yeah, he, he won't do it for you, but when I say Monkey Tuesday, <laughs> yeah. yeah, see, that's that's the way it should be. That's exactly right. Oh, that's so good. I had forgotten that it didn't work for you, that it only works for me, the magic of uh, Monkey Tuesday. 
good. Uh, that's a good thing. You can stop it. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a great thing. Now, what I'm wondering about is, what else do we have on the list? What did you billboard at the top? Well, we have uh, the uh, Mimi Alford Kennedy oh, yeah, affair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we haven't gotten to, to that this. yet, and we have not this. done a song poem. No, I'm thinking maybe I'm going to hold the song poems for another day. You know, I have Tommy Ardolino, who's a friend of mine and the drummer for NRBQ, and besides being one of the greatest drummers I've ever heard, he was also um, the greatest music listener. He listened more closely and more perfectly to music than uh, than anyone I uh, anyone I knew, uh, and I, I loved I loved Tommy. He died uh, he died at the beginning of this year. Yeah, uh, I loved him. And uh, Tommy collected song poems, and song poems are uh, in the back of magazines. They have these ads. They still do, but the the stuff he's most interested in is the sixties and seventies. They, they would have ads in the back of, like, National Enquirer or Midnight, that level of magazine. would have little ads that say, you know, songwriters wanted. And you could write a poem and send it to the songwriters wanted. And whatever you wrote to them, they would send back that you were a genius and you should write songs. But you did need to have some money to make a demo and they could put the band together and write the music. So you'd send your poems in and they'd be turned into a, songs. And what's fascinating about song poems is it ends up with this pure, naive, honest lyrics played by kind of cynical hack musicians. And to me, it's heartbreaking and it's beautiful. And Tommy Ardolino's song poem collection, what would happen is they record a zillion of these in a day, press them onto vinyl, and then those vinyl records would not go, of course, to selling the songs to real artists. But rather, they you'd would buy just buy them go for to, your friends. Not even for your friends. You just get one copy. You'd pay two hundred dollars. You'd get one copy, and they would tell you that the other copies were going out. And um, Phil Milstein is the real expert on song poems. If you do a search, we'll do a do a. You can do a um, uh, link on the uh, website that'll let people find this for the song poems. Phil Milstein song poem archives. Uh, fascinating stuff. And I want to play. You know, David Letterman used to do a thing called Dave's Record Collection back in the old, old, old NBC days, or maybe even before, maybe even the morning show days. He did uh, Dave's Record Collection. And a lot of that stuff was Eddie Gordetsky, my dear friend Eddie Gordetsky's record collection. And I have a pretty good record collection, and I think I want to start playing stuff like Penn's Record Collection. But I'm going to start with Tommy Ardolino's uh, song poems. And... Uh, I don't know whether to go with the song poems. Are people reacting to this? Should I go with the song poems or should I go with talking about uh, Kennedy's intern? I think we should go with Kennedy's intern. We're running a little short on time. We only got another, you know, 10, 15 minutes, really. What surprised, I mean, we can go as long as we want. But what, arrived, what surprised me most about Kennedy's intern, and I guess everybody knows his story's out. What's your name? Mimi something? Uh, Mimi Alford. Alford? Alford. 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 Mimi Alford. Intern in the White House, 1962. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, right after his inauguration, uh, they started having sex. And what really surprised me, I, I guess it shouldn't surprise me, but the um, Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton uh, uh, scandal with the intern sure. did not strike me as that sexy. Like, I didn't read it and go, ooh, you know. <laughs> wish I had interns. Well, yeah, or wish I, I was with the president. You know, that's that's one of the things that, drove me crazy about the Clinton scandal is uh, 
anybody blaming Monica Lewinsky for anything. Uh, she is completely, whatever you think of what happened in the White House, none of it is Monica Lewinsky's fault. And uh, I believe there was horrible sexist stuff happening there that she was just out to lure the president and stuff like that. He's president of the United States of uh, America. The free world. She has, she has no power whatsoever. If anything, she is a victim, no matter how you slice it. And I think that all the comments about her looks, you know, about her, anybody who said anything unpleasant about Monica Lewinsky's looks makes me sick to my stomach. Anybody who says that she had some culpability makes me sick to my stomach. And I was on, um, you know, uh, Bill Maher's show. I guess it would have been, uh, it would have been, um, politically incorrect at the time of the Monica Lewinsky thing, right? That was before real time. Yeah. Must have been. Sure. Yeah, way before. And I was on and they were talking about, you know, Monica Lewinsky seducing the president. <laughs> <laughs> this horrible, horrible, um, uh, anti-woman stuff that made me crazy. And I said that I was not a Clinton fan. You know that. Uh, I was not a, I was not a big fan of Clinton. I did know that. Yeah. I share that with Hitch, who was also not a, uh, not a big fan of Clinton. And I am also, uh, not, uh, particularly gay. You know, I'm pretty much a straight guy who doesn't like Clinton. But if you gave me the opportunity to have sex with the president, I would take that opportunity regardless of which president and regardless of which sex that president was. There was no way I would pass up the story of having sex with the president because of my sexual preferences or my political preferences. Well, we've discussed this at, at great lengths uh, as the, which is a better story. <laughs> which is a better story. That's all that matters in life. Life is collecting good stories. And I can't think of a president that I would not have sex with. Nixon, yes. Polk, yes. Taft, yes. What are the ones you got? Washington, yes. Jefferson, yes. And I'd pay in monkey pellets <laughs> to have sex with Jefferson. I would give, I would give several grapes to have sex with Jefferson. Um, just on the outside chance he'd talk to me for, you know, a minute afterwards. Kennedy, yes. Johnson. Yes. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. 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 Eisenhower. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wish, uh, I wish Glenn Ally. You know, our boss who runs the whole Penn and Teller operation. Right. I wish he were here because he can name all the presidents in order frontwards and backwards. And that's just something wonderful when we're traveling together. I'll sometimes just ask him to do it. I like mm -hmm. people who can name all the presidents and also can name all the states in alphabetical order. Wow. Those are skills that if you have them, let me know. <laughs> I, I just like to hear you. That'd do be it. a big plus for our news reporter, wouldn't it? I was out with a woman once, uh, years and years and years ago. And she told me, this is astonishing to me. She told me that when she was 16 or something, let's make it legal age. I'm sure it was legal age. 19. 19. She but, was 19 years old. But very young. Uh, uh, and she was, you know, my age-ish around there. And this was, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. So this is a woman who's in her, uh, who's in her 40s. And she told me that when she was young, 19 or 20 or something, that she met Elvis Presley, right? And that Elvis Presley asked her to have, uh, have sex with him. I'm really interested. This date is going very, <laughs> yeah, very well. Oh. Very well. 
And she starts the story. This is the story she starts. So I met Elvis and he asked me to have sex with him. <laughs> the next part of the story was astonishing. It was, I said no. So I said to her, this date is over. We have a basic mis, we have a difference in how we see the world. I see the world as collecting good stories. You do not. If I had met Elvis when I was 20 and Elvis had said, do you want to have sex? My answer would be instantly and without hesitation. Yes. Cause that's a better story. Now the question is if, if, if Elvis has said to me, do you want to do drugs? Then it gets trickier. You know, I've never done any drugs. I don't know, <laughs> but it's still, it's a consideration. Is it a better story to say, I went to Graceland and watched Elvis get loaded? Right. Or I went to, Elvis didn't do no drugs. <laughs> Elvis didn't do no drugs. Or I went to uh, Graceland and got loaded with Elvis. Right. Well, you know. Both are pretty good stories. They're both good stories. Uh, but I think if you don't have sex with somebody, that maybe you don't get to hang around and sex doesn't happen. But if you don't have take drugs with somebody, they'll sometimes still do them. They're just more for them. So you can kind of stay around. I don't know. It would depend on the deal that Elvis offered. But a woman who says to me, or a man that says to me, I chose not to have sex with a president is someone I'm not, uh, I'm not interested in talking to. Because you're not going to have any good stories. You're not going to have a good story about the time you pulled the ether out in the Army Navy store and knocked yourself out <laughs> sniffing that's, ether that's, yes. in clown makeup. You're not going to have that story. You're not going to have that story. If you don't have sex with Elvis, you don't have that story. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good dose story, by that the way. That is a good dose story. You're not going to have this, you're not gonna have this story of, you know, having sex in clown makeup through the chain link fence when you're on Ringling Brothers. Well, the good news show. is, in 1962, Mimi Alford, intern at the White House, said yes. She did say 18 yes. 18-month affair, and she's selling the book now. Congratulations to Mimi. And, you know, I read an excerpt from the book, and this is what I started to say about Monica Lewinsky and Clinton. The Monica Lewinsky-Clinton stuff, to me, isn't sexy. It's just a good story. Man, this Mimi, John <laughs> stuff. Mimi? She's You're saying Mimi was something? Really sexy. I mean, really sexy. I mean, she seems like she's so together. And so, I mean, she calls herself naive and she, uh, she, she does all this, you know, self-deprecating stuff and says, I didn't know what I was doing, but the book is written and maybe because she's much older now. 40 years of introspection. On yeah. The deal. Maybe that's it. But she seems so together and so focused and such a, uh, kind of a smart, uh, groovy woman, by the way. Clay Aiken hated me saying the word groovy. He tried to he, he tried to get me to stop saying I say groovy a lot. He tried to stop. I don't say it ironically. I think he's okay if you say it ironically, but he did not want me to say it. He actually asked me stop saying groovy. I hope they show that on TV. <laughs> on tonight's Celebrity Apprentice, Clay Aiken says stop saying groovy. <laughs> Man, it's bugging me. <laughs> the, the two biggest points of contention with Clay Aiken was I didn't want a high five. He didn't want me to say groovy. That, that's our big difference. So if you want a kind of guy that will high five you but won't say groovy, Clay Aiken's your well, and can sing perfectly in tune. <laughs> if you want a guy who can't sing in tune, won't high five you, and says groovy, Penn Gillette is your man. As Leonard Cohen would say, I'm your man. <laughs> You're our man. Um but the story of Mimi with John F. Kennedy, uh, uh, the Monica Lewinsky story, just for some reason, the personalities involved aren't really sexy to me. Not saying I wouldn't do it. 
I would have sex with Clinton in a second. Even an ex-president. If Clinton walked in the room right now and said, hey, Ben, let's go out. And, yeah, yeah. And said, you know, uh, I would put on the Hollywood sandals and a New York minute and take my Texas time to do it. I'm telling you, I would, I would do everything right. But that having been said, in the situation, I would do it. But the Mimi John F. Kennedy story is so sexy. And in movie night, you know, every Tuesday night, which is, of course, the day of Monkey Tuesday, every Tuesday night, very good, Rich. Um, uh, every Tuesday night at my home, we have uh movie, movie night. night. Even when you're not here, oddly yeah, enough. Where a bunch of people show up and we kind of yell at a movie. And right now we're watching uh the Kennedys, the Miniseries. Mm -hmm. I call it a Miniseries <laughs> because you know. That's how I, it's spelled. <laughs> I did the Yemis once. The Yemis? The Yemis. <laughs> Talk I, about Miniseries? <laughs> and they asked me to announce on the Yemis to do a category. Uh -huh. And uh, I was reading cold <laughs> and uh is this was, live on tv no, you did this no? this is a rehearsal a rehearsal a rehearsal damn <laughs> i said uh and uh for the uh five contestants for the great uh, best uh miniseries <laughs> and the you know voice of god comes over miniseries? mr gillette <laughs> may i have your attention please fired <laughs> Miniseries. That's what I said. Anyway, <laughs> we're watching the Miniseries, the Kennedys, and it's kind of depicted as, uh, as kind of Mad Men, which she, uh, which Mimi says it was just. Right. This is the whole, the whole Mimi thing is a, a, an ad for Ad Men. <laughs> it was exactly like Mad Men. I loved it. It was so much like Mad Men. Yeah. We were and, there for toys. <laughs> and she also talks about, uh, having, uh, sex with some of Kennedy's friends. Uh, when, and when Kennedy, uh, asked her to. You read more of an excerpt than I did. I sure did. <laughs> I read it slowly. <laughs> uh, one handed reading. And, uh, that's the great thing about the iPad. Uh, and, uh, but the sad thing, the heartbreaking thing is he, uh, brought Ted Kennedy around and she said no. <laughs> <laughs> And that's okay, by the way. Uh, if if the woman that I was on the date with had said she had a chance to have sex with Ted Kennedy, right. and she said no, no point of contention. Well, you know, we do fine. have some it's questions Elvis here. Elvis, president, you know, there's a few people in that category. Well, you know, how about uh, the question we're getting here is how about the Pope or the Dalai Lama? <laughs> really good stories. <laughs> I would definitely, I would definitely have sex with the Pope. The Dalai Lama, man, it would not be fun. But it's a good story. I don't know if it's a, that good a story. The Dalai Lama. <laughs> yeah, is it having sex with the Dalai Lama a good story? I don't if know. I, if I showed up, you know, we, Godot and I, when we have lunch, we like to have lunch in supermarkets. Yes. Because <laughs> they have really good sandwiches. You can look at the MILFs. And the supermarket near here has uh, has a player Terrific piano. Terrific sandwiches and piano, yeah. Yeah, pianos. We sit, we go to super, we, we used to go to fancy-ass places. Remember, we used to go to the Four Seasons? Exactly. We used to go to like- High uh, tea. Yeah, we used to- Now go, we're at the grocery store. Now we're at the grocery <laughs> I like the grocery store better. Uh, yeah. And uh, if I showed up one day and said, you know, when I got my, my, my big bowl of olives, which I like to have- Yes. And my uh, corned beef sandwich, and I'm sitting across from you and said- you know, Godot, last night I had sex right. with I met Dalai the Dalai Lama. Lama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I like that story. Yeah, I think, like I think story. I'd like that story. I think okay, I'd so the answer to both Pope and Dalai Lama is yes and yes. All right. Yeah. Um, and the answer to Clay Aiken uh, didn't come up. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> didn't, didn't come up. Didn't come up. Have you considered that? 
possibility uh, now. Uh, I mean, I hadn't considered it until just now, but it didn't come up. If it had come up, I would have had to make a make a, uh, a decision make, on the fly, call on the fly, so to speak, <laughs> yeah, so to speak, on the fly. So we probably shouldn't get into song poems now. I've explained a little bit about them. No, but I'm going to I'm going to play. Uh, Let's do, do some song poems on next week's show. What okay, do you say? Do you know the difference between big wood and brush? I will play that. Or do people have any? Uh, we got about a couple a couple minutes. Anybody got any questions they want to? Uh, yeah, Flava Flav. They want to know if Flava Flav made the list. Uh, Flav Flav <laughs> or Donald Trump. Those were, this is apparently going to become a list show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy, you know, right now. Richard Gere. <laughs> Bill Gates. Yeah, well, Bill Gates is probably a yes. Eh? <laughs> I don't think you get much of a story out of Bill Gates. Yeah, though, I don't right? know. You probably don't even get cab fare home. <laughs> you know, he's, he's careful. Well, you know, that's the thing. Uh, uh, when all this stuff about this anti-millionaire stuff comes up sure. and people say, you know, uh, these people have enough money, they should pay much more in taxes. They have enough money. Who needs that much money? And you looked at, you look at Bill Gates, you know, still the richest man in the world. Is that right? Yeah. Facebook hasn't caught up with him or something. He hasn't, he hasn't told me, changed. <laughs> um, but Bill Gates, richest man in the world, but he did have in most people's consideration, too much money for like subscribing to Netflix and having a house. Yeah. But, but not too much money to cure polio. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't know that's what he was saving. For. Well, not polio. It's uh, malaria. Uh, malaria, but he's also put money into polio. Or is he? Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> he's the man. Yeah. He's uh, a good so guy. it turns out if you're penny pinching and being careful and saving money and, and then what spend a couple million on. Uh, you're, well, not a couple million. Well, hundreds. Today, yeah. Hundreds, hundreds of millions. millions. Yeah. Um, in order to get rid of malaria. Make malaria extinct. I believe what he's trying to do is limit pol limit malaria and make uh, polio extinct. I think his his big thing is there will not be polio anymore. Uh, so you don't know what people are saving their money for, and that's what makes me crazy. You know, do you really think if the government had taxed, yeah, if the government had taken that, they would not have spent it on malaria. They just spent it on something dumb. <laughs> yeah, like killing people. Yeah. And as I've said over and over again, it's hard work and expensive to kill people. If you're a lazy person, it's better off not to kill people. If you don't have a lot of money, better off not to kill people. And right now, you know, Teller has the best quote on this. Teller said, you know, we're spending money we don't have to kill people we don't know for reasons we don't understand. And the only reason I believe I want a guy who doesn't talk a lot. He's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. When he talks, he talks a lot. Yeah, but I want someone to do the work on this. I believe that the reason we have fewer casualties uh, in um, in Iraq and Afghanistan than Vietnam is just uh, how much medicine has improved. I believe we have the uh, same injuries that we're now able to fix that we couldn't fix back then. I mean, fewer people are dying, uh, but many, many, many more people are disabled and, uh, and really, uh, That's and probably true. Up, yeah. It's good. Okay. So this is the, uh, pen and, uh, pens, uh, pen Sunday school. Pen Sunday school. This is the, uh, this is the, this is the test edition. The premier I'm sure testing. this is going to go up. Go to the Penn Sunday School webpage. We monitor the chat. We will read the emails. You will can have an effect on next week's show. Uh, if you want to do it live, we do it live at noon. From noon Vegas time, which noon is Pacific Vegas time. time, Pacific United States time for those of you in other countries. That's going to change sometimes, but uh, not for the next yeah, week. Yeah, not, not, not for the next few weeks, yeah. Well, uh, yeah uh, we also looking for a, uh, <laughs> we're looking for a news person yep. um, that will come in. We need to try somebody. Maybe someone will will apply, or maybe we'll use John. What was sure. he in Calgary? 
We use John uh, up on the uh, up on the hill that Christ was crucified on. Isn't that Calgary? John plus Steve minus hopping. <laughs> Steve McQueen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plus McQueen minus the hopping. Yeah. Yeah. So come into the uh, and try to get other people in. If we can get uh, a good hunk of people on Penn Sunday School, we can keep doing it. For those of you who like the radio show, those of you who like Penn Point, Penn says those are all done. I'm not doing those anymore. I've put all my uh, kind of. Uh, uh, inner two Your broadcasting eggs, eggs. <laughs> in this particular basket. And, uh, Michael Goudeau, we're going to take a lot of suggestions on what we'll do and, uh, hope you like this show. And, uh, I think that's about it. Hit it, Rich. Let's take it out here. Ready Rich, again, chiming back in for a couple reasons. The first one is I couldn't use the original theme song that we used on this episode because we don't own the rights to it. And the second is to remind you that we've already covered the subject of if you'd sleep with any president, would you sleep with Donald Trump? So please don't bother writing me about that again. Now come on back for our next episode which is The Amazing Randy.